I never run out of wine. But uh, yeah. So that does bring me in for our first guest of the morning. And thank you for joining us on The Wine Show Australia. It's Sean Menezes. You've now graduated to working as a store manager. So you probably, you've got life easy now, don't you, mate? The cellar, as you know, Richo, is just a different, uh, it's a different setup altogether. So I've realized very quickly uh, that online is a major focus of what we do at the cellar, even though we have yeah. a, a beautiful uh, storefront with amazing history and, uh, you, you know, just this beautiful layout inside. Uh, almost 60% of what we do is online orders that come yeah. through to us from pretty much anywhere, all, all I mean, pretty much all over Australia yeah. because there might be certain bottles that are only available at the cellar or certain premium vintages that, you know, people are on the hunt for and we happen to have them uh, in our warehouse. So all those orders and I, I pack some of the orders myself so I can see these addresses and I know it's going to WA and I know it's going to Queensland and I know where these things are going. So it's interesting to see, I guess, just, uh, uh, this, I guess just the spectrum of people ordering and also what they order uh, compared to other Dan Murphy stores, uh, there's a lot of French wine going out. There's a lot of Italian wine going out. Yeah. So mm. when you walk in Dan's and be like, oh, why do they have such a big French section? I don't see anyone shopping. It's like, yeah, not at that precise moment, no one is. But <laughs> rest assured, everyone is on the hunt for good wine. Tell us a little yes. bit before we go. Well, I'll look, let me just read our first text message out that came from the indomitable Christopher. G'day, mates. How are you? And it says... Hi, Richo and Jill. I actually went to the Dan Murphy cellar a few weeks ago to buy my Christmas champagne. We'll be starting Christmas Day with Dom Perignon before opening an aged red from Christopher. Now, no doubt with Christopher Beautiful. being the, the legend that he is, he'll be opening a nice old Samiotti or a Barossa wine or something. But, Sean, tell us a little bit about the history of the cellar. Can I, Jill and I were talking about it briefly, but it's, um, yep. it, you know, it's, a, it's an institution in Melbourne and it's a very famous <laughs> place. Absolutely. So the cellar opened up. It was Dan's first, Dan, Dan Murphy's first ever store that opened up in 1952 in the beautiful arcade on Chapel Street. And I guess it was with the business from 1952 to about 1980 before it then switched hands. And it was one uh, a famous Melbourne artist. I keep forgetting his name, but he kind of had the entire arcade for almost, uh, I think, a decade or a decade and a half where he kept exhibiting a lot of his work. And then the the company ever ever we once we sold to Endeavor and Woolworths we bought the company uh, we bought the the location back in 2016, and then the cellar has just been operating in that spot ever since. Now, fun fact: next to the cellar is this huge JB Hi-Fi, which used to be the original Dan Murphy's brand That's store. That's right. Yeah. And a lot of people come in, and I get some of my older customers who come in and kind of reminiscence about the time when they used to come to that old store. And then they tell me stories of these underground soirees. You know, some people have been very fortunate to meet a few people where, uh, who've been to uh, Mr. Daniel Murphy's kind of hidden soirees back in the day with, you know, a piano in the middle of the room and wine and burgundy flowing all over the place. So Sounds all right, wow. doesn't it, Jill? <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing. And that's what I, I try to take most of the guests who come through the cellar. I always try to give them, if I have time, I always give them a quick mini tour downstairs. I show them the, the first family of wines and I tell them that story. And then across... We have our entire Grinch collection from 51 to 2018. And then I tell them the story of that collection and, you know, how it was almost a wine that was never made and so on. And and people are just amazed because they've heard of the Grinch, but they've never heard of, I guess, just the detailed story with it. Yeah. And and then especially with, uh, you know, wines like, you know, Henschke and then all the Jim Barry wines and then the Flory Mm -hmm. thing is right there. Uh, And it also helps that we have a few Magnums and Jeroboams of wines just around the place so it's you know it, it's good to kind of just start a conversation with someone is this is this just open to the general public on like a on a daily basis or what's it's a very specific opening time oh absolutely it's, it's it's open to general public yeah absolutely every single day right. 
open. I think they only shut Christmas Day, New Year's Day, and Good Black Friday. Day. Yep. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, so it, how it, many it, bottles are you holding down there? Like how, how how big is it? Uh, look, the thing is, we, uh, the cellar is a two-level uh, cellar. So upstairs, mm -hmm. we have a lot of, uh, you know, just your contemporary Australian wine yep. champagne. And uh, our spirits ranging is pretty good as well. But the downstairs, I guess, is the charm and the beauty of the place. We have, yes. uh, you know, we have Old World. And then we have pretty much all premium Australian wine regions. We have yep. the cities, we have the ports, we have the Magnum Wall. And then obviously, we mm -hmm. have a beautiful section where we do amazing events, you know, and Richard would tell you that it's just a phenomenal space that wow. not know of when they walk on Chapel Street, that it's just underneath their feet, this beautiful, gorgeous uh, setup to enjoy wine, have conversations and, you know, discover new winemaking. And it's that, that beautiful awesome. exposed brick kind of architecture down mm. there too, Jill. So it's, it is beautiful. actually like walking into an old school wine vault. And, and, and Sean, we've, we've got Sean Menezes, who's the manager of the Dan Murphy Cellar and Paran on the line. Um, Sean, it, it is like a little wonderland for people off Chapel Street, isn't it? Because Chapel Street's pretty busy and it's pretty happening mm. and there's always yep. stuff going on. But it yep. feels like you're disappearing into the 1950s or 60s, don't you? Hundred nice. percent, especially when you take the little trip down the stairs, and the way they've set it up as well. You know, we've got these beautiful leather couches. It's almost like you know we invite you to come and browse through, like you would browse through at a library, because mm. uh, you have this these amazing collections of wines. And again, kudos to the wine teams who kind of keep it fresh with new batches from 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 the old world. You know, we just got a, a, a huge allocation of some Italian wine that's on display. The Laurent Ponzo wines came a few months mm. back, and you know people get excited about these wines. So. It's just, it's just amazing to see people come. It's amazing to see people shop. And then you get a great chance to to speak to them about their wine stories and wine travels. And mm. next thing you know, you kind of get an insight into what they've been drinking, how they've been drinking. And, you know, you always pick up. I like to pick up tips from my customers as well. And then that's something that I share with the other customers who come through. So it's just this really nice organic wine information feed that kind of just goes through the cellar. I've got, I'll definitely, uh, next time I'm in Melbourne, absolutely, I'm going to have to come and visit you and check it out. Um, but you just touched on that. And as it is the Christmas extravaganza uh, mm -hmm. today, um, what do you, what will you be pulling out on Christmas Day? So I think I've had this sm small mini tradition ever since I've been in Australia. And I guess that's, I guess, because of the time I've spent in South Australia, I'm a sucker for, for starting Christmas Day with a sparkling Shiraz. Oh, so, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm breakfast. Yeah. I, I, that's right, yes. the Barossa breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> Spot on. So I think, uh, so this year I've got a Rose Kentish 2014 that I've just taken out from, you know, I found it in my cell and I've kept it out so it's easy to access on Christmas Day. Um, but then I remember, uh, I remember I love, uh, so Sparkling Curas to start off with, definitely a couple of bottles of champagnes and then, you know, something something from Barossa, something from uh, Margaret River. I have mm -hmm. a few friends coming this time for Christmas. Uh, nice. uh, friend coming from Adelaide and a friend coming from Sydney. So it's good to kind of catch up with them. And then, you know, once uh, you're in good company, uh, the wine just tastes even better. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah, goon tastes pretty good in good company, I reckon, Sean. So, or, sorry, we call them bagnums now, don't we? These bagnums, little mini yeah, bagnums. Um, the other thing, Jill, about the cellar that's interesting is it's not just like this stuffy kind of atmosphere of you know, wines that people can't pronounce, right? So a good example would be the tonic wines. Um, a guy called Glenn Barry makes these incredible, you know, Grenaches and things like that that are really hard to get and really small batch. And and I've I've, no, I've bought them from you from over there before, Sean. 
And the thing is, again, with Glenn, I was lucky to meet him when we had uh, the trade tasting and I tried the tonic wines. And, oh, they were, I mean, the tonic Grenache especially was just oh, absolutely delicious. Hey, he was one of the OG wine merchants, mate. He was. Yeah. He was. He was one of my fellow OG yeah, wine Yeah, over in South Australia. Australia. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, Glenn, I'm, I'm sorry he's not listening. But, you know, Jill, that's a good... A tick for us. We should get Glenn Barry from Tonic Wines on the show. He's an absolute Yeah, for sure. Look, actually, just on this, not just a little, little bit of a digression, but yeah. um, have you heard about uh, Crozer, uh, the Crozer uh, times 78 degrees? Oh, well, I've they've seen it just, in the shop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so they've got a they've got a Brit and they've got a, a recycling rosé. So basically, you know, taking the, the, the classic characteristics of Crozer, which we do love, Yep. And mixing it with um the, with the botanicals from seventy eight degrees, and it's uh so we've just launched it with accolade. It's like really, it's really fascinating stuff. I haven't tried them yet. No, so um, I haven't tasted I'm, it yet. I've seen, and I, I, I had a friend who was working for for the distillery, and she she didn't even know it was ha- well, she works for someone else now, but mm-hmm. um, they weren't aware that this was happening too. So I haven't gotten around it. But there's also that, uh, and we were going to have a guest on Xavier this morning, who um, unfortunately couldn't make it because he was having too much fun at his birthday. I think, but yeah. That's- um, right. <laughs> so, but he's married to Brian Crozer's daughter, right? And and um, yes. so he's got a sparkling that's around. Uh, what's it called again? Is it Dayosa? Dayosa. Yeah. So, Sean, have you tried that one yet? I have. I have a couple of times. And uh, so, at the cellar, we only have the Dayosa Blanc de Blanc. But actually, in his Dayosa range, there are about I think about four or five different sparklings that he does. And uh, yeah, it'd be really interesting if if and when you do get Xavier on because he's got a history with the Bollinger family. Yeah. And is married into the Crozer family, so it's almost like yes. if you can find, <laughs> find a sparkling royalty, I think those two combinations would, you know, it was bound to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Oh no, absolutely. Well, we, Jill and I had we had Brian Crozer on, I don't know, four or five months yeah. ago, and he was telling us yeah. about it. And so my old man actually went down and bought some. I don't know if Dad, you maybe you can text in Dad, um, and the, the text number is zero four five six ninety six five ninety six five, or of course you can just text me because you know I'm your son. But look, um, I don't know if he's tasted it yet, but he went down. And it's Christmas. <laughs> and, uh, and he he went down and bought a bottle of it. But yeah, I've I've yeah. been. It's been great to see it pop into dance the other sparkling wine that i'm pushing a lot at the moment and just absolutely loving and this might be heretical jill to you i don't know being such a lover of champagne mm-hmm. but i'm going to throw it out there big 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 time big promise time and i'm going to be drinking this on christmas day the second best non-vintage sparkling wine in dan murphy's for me at the mm-hmm. moment under a hundred dollars number one would be the louis rotary collection 242 uh, yeah. which is just mind-boggling Beautiful. because firstly they're getting a lot of biodynamic and organic grapes and sean you'd know this but the other thing they do is they're pressing the juice in the vineyards jill so they're actually pressing pressing straight away and taking this beautiful clean unoxidized juice and then fermenting that and doing that what they do normally so it's all about freshness and cleanliness but here we go big big pr- pronunciation time or big okay. proclaimment the second best sparkling wine under $100 for me that's non-vintage in Dan Murphy's is from England. Oh, yeah. And it's okay. the, we've got the Nye Timber, N-Y-E-T-I-M-B-E-R. It's just a bloody ripping wine. Have I you haven't taste? even heard of it. I tried them. I tried them. give it a go. Yeah, tell us about You tried that in the Blanc de Blanc, I imagine, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they just came and they poured some at the cellar. We arranged them in the cellar as well. So, yeah, amazing wines. We have about three sparkling wines now from England, which is, I think, a section that's going to keep growing in the next few years. So, yeah, uh, give it a try. If you guys like sparkling, yeah, I think the Night Timber is uh, definitely a really good entry-level starting point to see what England's doing 
Correct. And, and Hattingley Valley we've had for a little bit. That comes in from Patrick at Sellerhands. I did yep. notice there was a another champagne brand who Pomery have got um, some vineyards over there as well. Oh, look, here's a text from Dave. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. He, just, oh, sent me a big, he just sent me a big tick, so he must have, he might went down there and bought it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so, yeah, Jill, the, the, what's happening is that because it's getting warmer in Champagne, and I'm sure that Xavier will talk to us about this when we get him on, uh, it's becoming increasingly uh, more difficult to, difficult to get that finesse. So, yes. you know, down in the southern part of England, in Kent more specifically, where you do, if you think about Dover, <laughs> right, the White Cliffs of Dover, that that champagne yeah. chalk soil, uh, and it's cold down there. So they're making some bloody good sparkling. Yeah. No, and that makes sense. Actually, that's something we can uh, speak to Fran about as well. Up next is um, they've, they're creating an amazing sparkling in their little specific area, um, Bass Strait, because you get that cool breeze from Bass Strait, but then they also have to deal with the, uh, the challenges of the humidity. Yeah, right. That comes along. But if they nail that small amount of community, that is actually what makes it the perfect, perfect combo, but it's really hard. So so yeah, we will get there. A uh, quick question back on on the um the English bubbles. What are you paying per bottle for that? What are you walking out of the store with? Well, Night Timber is okay. eighty bucks. Yeah. And yeah. Sean, right. what, how much is the next level up? About 130, 140 I think, bucks? I think it's about 130, 129.99 is right. the next level up. So yeah, so you're going to have to make a decision, right? And it's yeah. one of those things where – so I just had the bottle open yesterday. So we only got 24 bottles of this allocated to our store, oh. at least because it's only a small amount coming in, Jill, and they, they mainly mm. go into really nice restaurants and, you know, we're talking the top echelon restaurants and, of course, the cellar, which is the, the top dance store. Um, yeah. I opened it yesterday and sold eight bottles. Mm. So, oh wow! Because, okay. and I, but I didn't. Because okay. it's really good allocation. Yeah, you've got to frame it in a particular way, right? So it's, mm. hey, I've got this amazing sparkling wine for you to taste, um, but you don't tell them what it is. You only tell them what yeah. it is after they've tasted it. Yeah. And, yeah. and especially if they're walking past with a with a trolley full of champagne, um, and and we know there's a bit of a shortage of champagne at the moment too, right? So yes. people yeah. are going to have to look past that, and and of course. Mate, if you know the third best non-vintage sparkling wine in the store, in in my opinion, is probably the Kreglinger, which is from Tasmania, you know, or Aris. I mean, they're they're cracking. Yeah. And but then Aris Grand yeah. Vintage. Now we're talking about vintage wines. It's a different story. But you know, you'd have to say, Sean, that Aris would have to be our number one brand for sparkling, wouldn't it? I think so. I think when it comes to just value and quality for Australian sparkling, that yeah. stands up door to door and sometimes even punches down on some French champagne. I'd pick Aris and Edgar any day. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, again, just brings me back to recently, he was in Melbourne. We had an event at the SP in St. Kilda. Ah, uh, yeah. And just to, just to hear him talk about um, his wines and the vintage wines and just how and where he sources the fruit from. Look, I can listen to Edgar for a days on end, absolutely. He's amazing, isn't he? I've, I speak to Ed a lot and I deal with the Aris brand a lot, uh, working with Accolade. Um, firstly, on Christmas Day, I do have a magnum of the 2013 grand, no, the 2009 grand vintage. Oh. I, think I'll be, I think I'll be pulling that out. That's that's, that's just lovely. I might just have and to check the airfares up to Queensland on that yeah. one. <laughs> Oh, so good. So very, very good. But, yeah, but that is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised and I'm not surprised that it is Dan's number one sparkling because it still is. I mean, I guess if you look at the range, you've got like the Brutalite is extremely good value. Like, oh, the, yeah. like I can't believe how inexpensive that is. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, when it comes to the grand vintage, what you're still probably paying upwards of like, probably 90? 85, 85, 90 bucks, yeah. 
Right, eighty five ninety bucks. So still, you know, as you say, it's under a hundred dollars, and so it's still a magnificent value. Uh, but if you're looking at a Pomery or even Piper Heedsick, you know, for fifty bucks on special around Christmas time, that's amazing, amazing wow. deals. I, yeah. I can't say it, but Piper's a fair bit oh. cheaper than that at the moment, Jill. Oh, I, oh, I, wow. I, I can't even yeah. say the number. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. But I, yeah. I just okay. the boxes myself. Oh, did you? <laughs> you're only allowed by twelve bottles, Sean. Uh, so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got um, I've got a choice of sparkling for Christmas. So I'm either going to take a Lamondier Bernier Latitude, like nice little grower mm. champagne, which is, yep. you know, and if you think about this, Jill, I think it's awesome. We should try and get someone on talk about grower champagne sometime. So in Australia, okay. we tend to well, let's get Tyson on. Jeez, um, yeah, he came on uh, recently, but you know, you talk about over-indexing as a country on what we call the Grand Marc Champagne, so your, your Verves, your Moets, all that stuff. And uh, in the end, we, you know, compared to a lot of other countries, we don't drink as much grower champagne. But something like Agripar, you know, which we, we sell a little bit of at Dan's now. Yep. Um, we've even got Egli Aurier now, Sean, which is pretty amazing, but they've only got 30 or 40 acres of vines. Now, if you compare that to the vast resources of LVMH making Moet, it's just not even the same game now i'm not saying one's better than the other just saying they're two sides of the same coin and i like drinking grower champagne and i like drinking grand mark champagne but um, yep. for me my favorite other non-vintage would probably be perrier jouet you know flying the flag for those guys mm-hmm. um and yeah i think the piper we opened a 2006 cuvee rare from piper sean you know the one with the yep. fancy bottle yeah um, the one but the thing is, it's good that you mentioned it. I was looking, I sold a bottle to a customer who was looking to, uh, you know, buy a special champagne to celebrate an occasion. And then after he left the store, I look at one of my other team members <laughs> and I look at the rare bottle because it's got a nice gold-plated bottom. Yeah, it's but incredible. The word, but the word rare is literally a peel-on sticker. Oh, is it? <laughs> and I'm just looking at, I look at the bottle and I'm like, geez, for, for $330, I'd, I'd hope I don't get a peel-on sticker for the one. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really make it red out, does it? <laughs> uh, having said that, though, uh, the juice, if you're a Krug drinker with that oh, yeah. huge yeah, volume of richness, awesome, and yeah. yeah, it's one of the most rich, full-on yeah. sort of brioche, hardcore toasted brioche champagnes I've ever had. So not for the faint-hearted, not for the, you know, casual Saturday afternoon oysters drinks. It's the sort yeah, of yeah. wine that I'm going to have with a piece of meat, you know. Uh, and I love having champagne with meat. Now, another thing that, because um, I love talking about champagne, another thing that surprises the customers sometimes is uh, when I talk about decanting champagne. And we've talked about this with Dean from Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy last year. Uh, and, yeah, so Peter Gago from Penfolds was the one that put me onto it. And so in my last masterclass, I did champagne decanted and non-decanted, and it just blew people's minds. Do you, have you ever decanted it, Sean? I haven't decanted a champagne personally, but I have seen a lot of psalms and a lot of people from the industry do it very often. I really want to see the difference. I want to taste it next to each other and you know make my own mind up because I've been hearing a lot of things, but I haven't tasted it myself. So I'm not in the best position to kind of oh, make it. You just it. have to do some experimentation. I know that our colleague, Eralda Rosario from yes. Spanish Wine Merchant, if he heard this, he'd just be shaking his head. Because yeah. <laughs> he, he thinks I'm such a such a weirdo for decanting all the things that I do. Um, yeah. One of the other things I reckon that's usually better with decanting is Riesling because they sulfur it, you know, so you can just yep. get rid of that sulfur and sometimes they're a bit pongy. Um, and when you decant them, they just tend to sort of open up a little bit. 
Absolutely. I decant Rieslings all the time. Oh, I I do, I'm like you. I decant, I decant everything. If it's got a little bit of Asia, I'm like, this deserves to have a little bit of a breath and right. putting it into the glass is going to do that. And, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of the aerator. That's an, it's an oh, easy yeah. one. But I, I love to decant. But it's also the process, you know, and, uh, and, and then the actual, the process of decanting, but then the pouring from the decanter into the wine glass. Sometimes yeah. it just takes it up a notch and you know give give the wine what it's due that's that's what i think oh, yeah. now, sure i have a question for you so this I, I love that we're um very much focusing on the champagne and sparklings at the moment that you touched on um the barossa breakfast of how you're starting your christmas day and i'll be the same mm-hmm. i love sparkling shiraz like it could be christmas day every day of the year just so i can drink it every morning and i guess there's something <laughs> about a chill bottle of sparkling shiraz i guess in when you're oh. in when it's a 40 degree day on Christmas, yes, want yes. something to just cool you down, and it's just the perfect juice to be drinking. It is, it's beautiful. So, what I'd love to know, as as two big fans of, of sparkling shiraz as well, what are some of your favorite um, favorite variety? Uh, favorite varieties? What are some of your favorite brands who would do it really well? You know the ones where you don't get that sweetness at the end. You know when oh. you have glass number two and you're going, yeah. getting a bit sweet. What's what's something that uh, that you would say? You know, give, give a try. Yeah, so that's why I said I think Rose Kentish, the one that I had, I had yep. one recently. I think Rose Kentish finishes off on a much more drier note, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to say something which sells a lot in most dance is like the Bleasdale. It's 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 twenty dollars. It's got a splash of port wine. Yes, in it. got that nice sweet yep. finish. People enjoy it. A Bleasdale's a good one. I picked yeah, one up I, from dance last weekend actually. I yep. think uh, also uh, the Toysner uh, around oh, about yeah. the fifty dollar mark. I think the Toysner they have. Uh, a base vintage, so the, the it was up to 2010 earlier. Now I think it's 2013. But uh, 17, we're, we're on to 17, which is a lovely, uh, yeah. elegant vintage in the Barossa. That's right. So that's a good uh, that's a good drop for you know spot on bang on the 50 dollar mark. Um, and just this past weekend at the cellar, I had about 15 bottles of the 2008 Seppel Sparkling Shiraz, yeah. and I told my team, I said, hey, let's just uh, you know one of the team, uh, they said, oh, can we open a sparkling Shiraz? I said, well, if there's any time to sell sparkling Shiraz. It's just this time. So put it in an ice bucket, put it on on the Friday. By Sunday, we sold out of all our 2008. And that's $100 a bottle. So people come to the cellar, they had a taste. And it was perfect because it was really hot outside on Chapel Street. So the moment you walk into the cellar and there's a glass of sparkling Shiraz in your hand, it's uh, a job done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, nice. And um, we spoke about this um, with the Hentley Farm guys too, Jill. The the Black Beauty, which I just think. Oh, yes. uh, do you sell? Uh, do Netflix you sell that one short, or is that? No, unfortunately not. We don't have the uh, the Black Beauty. With us. No, we don't sell it either. But um, uh, to our listeners, um, we'd love to hear from you. Of course, what you're drinking when it comes to sparkling wine. Just one more from Christopher's come through here. He says he's tried the Pomery English sparkling wine. Highly recommends it. Stylistically, he feels like it's a bit of a hybrid between champagne and Aussie sparkling. So that's interesting. Um, and you can't go past the old Andrew Garrett, can you, really? For bang oh, yeah. for buck, 10, 15 bucks mm-hmm. Christmas Absolutely. time. That's That would be in everyone's yeah. fridge, wouldn't it? You know, okay, so I saw that and I was like, oh, I, I can't buy a bottle of that cheap. I know this is a terrible mindset, but I'm like, it's all right. what, is that? It, what does it actually taste like? It, oh, it's it's on the sweeter side, and it's a bit um, you know, it's a bit clunky. But like, not everyone's got fifty bucks to spend on a bottle of sparkling red. Yeah, so, no, very true. Yeah, very true. so you'd sort of have to say, you know, for the for the just the the notion of having something there that's like that. Sure. I don't yeah, think even, it's bad wine. And even, uh, though, even the black chook, for that matter, Richard, the black chook that comes in around, I think about twenty six or twenty seven dollars. That's yeah. a decent. Hey, is that is that the brand or is that the wine? 
uh, that's the brand, but they, the black chip do a sparkling Shiraz. Okay. So, yeah, cool. So I'll tell you another one. So what I did is last last Saturday, I went into Dan's and I bought three bottles of sparkling Shiraz because I wanted to give a taste of what, what am I actually going to end up buying. Right. So I'm a, I love my St. Helens sparkling Shiraz, big fan. Um, and so I've got you know, half a case of that arriving. But I thought I just want to go and check some out. So I was chatting to the guy in the store. And, you know, of course, there's Seppolts in the, in the, the top range and the lower range and blah, blah, And so we get to the Bleasdale is great. You know, for $18, this is a great bottle. I thought that was lovely. So I bought that, had that. Um, I also tried, and he said, this one is great. It's the cat amongst the pigeons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. So Mike and I just shared that with mum during the week. Yeah. And it was beautiful. Not a not a, not a touch of, the, of of too sweet at the end. It was lovely. And again, I think that was like sixteen bucks or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, when did sparkling Shiraz become so affordable? Because I remember only it feels like only a few years ago that I wasn't being able to walk away with paying less than probably thirty, 30 bucks, bucks for a yeah. decent mm. sparkling Shiraz. And now I'm like, I'm I'm paying half that. So I think you know, as a consumer, that's sensational. But why? What's what's going on there? More being produced? Oh, no, I think we're just getting better at making making that style and aware that, you mm. know, it, it, it used to be a touch of the too much of the sweets at the end. It's, yeah. I'm glad that you brought up Cat Amongst the Pigeons, Jill, because we both work for Dan Murphy's and that's one of our wines. <laughs> yeah. so, so yes. let's just oh, they the, always do a good wine. They're, they're, well, Nick Pedris, well, he was going to come on the show. He's an absolute gun winemaker, but, you know, he's also yeah, like he's married to Janelle Zerk, right? So those Zed wines mm. in the Barossa, they are just out. Standing, especially those old vine ones. Jeez, cracking. No, crackin I think ones. it's nice that you get someone else to plug the Dan Murphy's wines. Oh, no, but look, I think like it's one of my favorite stores in the world. So, like, seriously, <laughs> uh, Kim's just texted in Rockford Disgorged 06 and Turkey oh. Flat 2015 on the table this year. Oh, oh wow. Kim, <laughs> you're very fortunate with that first one. <laughs> Mic drop moment. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Um, hey, Sean, uh, we've sadly we've run out of time, mate. But um, thank you so much for bringing a bit of Christmas cheer in and um, sharing yeah. your stories with our listeners. And I uh, hope you have a lovely day on the day, and look forward to seeing you in the new year, my friend. And, and congratulations so again on your promotion. Pleasure. Thanks, Jill. Thanks for bringing me on, guys. I love doing these things. And yeah, happy holidays. <laughs> hope you guys have a good good Christmas and uh, and a very happy twenty twenty three. Cheers. Will do, mate.